First choice you have is responding to God's grace. We see Paul here asking this question, what, what then? I mean, since you're dead to sin, since you've traded death for life, since you live in a new reality, what, what then? What now? What next? Is really the question, and he calls back, shall we sin because we're not under grace but the law? Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't My name is John, and you're listening to A Word with God, and I encourage you to open your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 6, while we continue to go through a series. We've been going through this actually for a while, hey Stan? Yeah, I mean, unless you're in your car. I wouldn't open my Bible if I was driving down the road in my car. Yes, don't open your Bible, have your seatbelt on, uh, pay attention to the road. (laughs) Yes, all those things. Uh, So we're going through Romans chapter 6, and the overall theme of the series that we have in Romans is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right, that's the tag. Yeah. So uh, it, it's funny because in this message, Stan, something that I found out was that you don't really like, I, sh- I wouldn't say you don't like computers, but you don't like operating systems. No, I really don't. Yeah, and you were having some issues with your computer at the time, which yeah. was sounded fairly tortuous. And since then, I found out that you can't really slam your computer an awful lot or, or it complains. So it doesn't make it any better. No, it it's doesn't not a make car, it any it's better. It's not a vehicle. Well, a lot of times with a tractor or something, you just kind of like hit it with a hammer and it kind of works better. Not so with computers. Uh, you know, what's funny is I almost think to myself, why did you even torture yourself by putting it, you know, putting a new operating system on? It, it came with the new computer. There you go. You didn't even have a choice. You I know didn't even funny? have a choice. This was a segue, torture. Yes. into something I was going to ask you about in this message. Okay. So well, it, go for it. In the message, one of the things you had in here was that people sort of start torturing themselves where they have a Sunday Christian life that they live hmm. and then they have the weekday life that they live with their buddies and this yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So that, that sounds fairly tortuous to me. Yeah. Almost like, you know, somebody's living Windows, we'll say Windows 8, and then they're <laughs> living Mac the other days and they're trying to figure out which one they're supposed to be, which mm-hmm. operating system mm-hmm. and how to work it properly. Yeah. yeah. It can be tough on the people that they live with too. Um, because you never know which, which person have I got to, to deal with today. Is it the one who mm-hmm. kind of goes to church on Sunday and has that, that mask on? Or is it the person that, uh, you know, that, that is, is maybe not so nice? So, and you know what? And I can talk for myself personally. I had that experience when I was younger. When I was a kid in high school, it was easy. Mm-hmm. I had my church friends and I had my yeah. high school friends. Yeah. Um, and you know what? And, and, I, and I'm not, it's interesting because I don't really know why I did it per se, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping you can kind of shed some light on why, why that happens to yeah. people. I, I think it comes down to what James talks about. Double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And if you haven't totally got your mind made up and you're, and especially as a teenager, you kind of got a foot in each, when you're trying to, who am I? 
what do I believe? This is what my family believes, but what do I believe? And so you've kind of got one foot in church world and the other foot in in your normal, everyday, rubbing shoulders with other people world. And, uh, and you're not convinced enough to live full out. And you're not convinced enough to leave it behind. So now in grade nine, I got to a point where I just thought, you know, this Christian life thing is too hard to live. Uh, God says, this is the way I should be. And that's not the way it is. And it's too hard to live this. I'm going to flush God. And if I get rid of God, then I won't no longer will have a, I won't have a conflict. Hmm. I still had conflict. And then when it really hit the fan and life, you know, really dealt some heavy blows, it was, I'm, I'm heading back to the gospel. I'm heading back to Jesus. Because this is really what makes sense of life for me. Well, and you know, touching on that idea and keep and to continue going down that train of thought, um, I, I think that for a lot of teenagers, there's this ambiguity. There's this, you know, not sure what my yeah. beliefs are. That's a, yeah. for a lot of people. That's when they solidify a lot of their mm-hmm. belief systems, mm-hmm. right? So, going through that, let's say as an as an example, as a teenager, what what advice or encouragement can you give to a teenager? You know, trying to trying to mm. fight for that. You yeah. know, trying to have that competition yeah. in their life. It's it's very it's really difficult because there's so many in the church who would claim to follow Christ, and I think we hit this a little bit mm. in this as well. Where um, if your life hasn't changed when you became a follower of Jesus, and nothing has happened and nothing has changed, and you really have to go back and scrutinize, did something really happen? If I said a prayer, you know, if I raised my hand, and I, like sometimes we make those motions but there's really nothing following it up. And so as a young person, you can watch people, and that's what happened to me. I watched some people in the church, and 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 I saw the differential from Sunday morning to the weekday, how they lived, mm-hmm. and I went, they're no different than my unsaved friends at school. What then causes you to, it calls into question, is this real? Is this right. something people are just putting on on Sunday? Is it real? Is it unattainable? Or, or, and, and so what happens is when you begin to connect with some Christians who, who live it out day by day, week by week, moment by moment, you then go, ah, this, this is real. They're not perfect. They make mistakes, but they own them. They apologize. It grieves their heart when they don't serve God the way they should. And then that begins to make sense. And so as parents, um, I now have to ask the question, am I living it every day? Is God number one in my life? Do I, do I actually live and act like God is the center of everything? Or do, are those words that come out of my mouth Sunday morning and the rest of the week, it's obvious God's like seven, eight, ten, or even non-existent on the list. That'll frustrate te- that'll frustrate teenagers more than anything. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, you know, because I'm sure that you know you'd have both sides of the of the story of people who might be listening right now, either mm-hmm. that they were a teenager and this is the struggle they had to go through. Mm-hmm. They are a teenager right now, but or even the other side of it is parents that are listening or grandparents that are listening, saying, "I have children that you know I'm guessing they're probably doing those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm scared to death about what what they're doing not on Sundays." 
Yeah. You know, you know, I see them at church. Yeah. I know they come to church with us. I know they look, mm-hmm. you know, I know that they look, you know, a little resistant to it, but they're coming. Mm-hmm. But what are they doing the rest of the week? Yeah. So for those people, really, it's it's the actions mm-hmm. that have to follow, right? You have yeah. to be able to live out what you're trying to teach right. them. Right. Uh, well, let's get going in the message, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up at the end. Okay. Well, I haven't been able to say open your Bibles in a long time, but you can and I will say just that. Let's open our Bibles and uh, we are in Romans and we are in chapter 6 and part 2 of chapter 6. So I will try and get you up to speed and remind you where we were at in chapter 6. And, uh, but let me just first of all walk through. And this is kind of the game, the end game. What we're looking for is at the end of this time, you would be able to walk through the book of Romans in your mind and be able to say something like this. From the book of Romans, I know that I'm loved. God loves me. God cares for me. And no matter what I'm feeling, let's just bring that down just a tiniest little bit. No, not that part. Okay. That no matter what is going on in my heart and in my mind at the time, and whatever my circumstances say, I will know that God loves me. And I have a place, and he has created a place for you as a follower, as a Christian. That place is the church. Is it imperfect? Absolutely imperfect. Will it let you down? Absolutely it will let you down, because it's made up of people. We have a head, which is Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. We are not him. And that's what gets people in trouble is they try and make everybody in the church Jesus. In fact, a lot of people who walk in the church doors are not all followers of Jesus. There's many people that walk, and yet people go, this person did that, this person, they're supposed to be. Only God knows who are true believers. And so you need to get that excuse, and you need to kind of take that to the curb and say, I'm not going to look to other people to be Jesus. I'm going to look to Jesus to be Jesus. And when I'm looking at Jesus, then I'm going to be okay you are not Jesus. You will make mistakes. You're not perfect. And so when we're interacting in our lives, we, you, you will make mistakes and you will let me down and I will let you down. And other, you know what people do? They go, oh, that person let me down. They're supposed to be a Christian. I want nothing to do with being a Christian then. Or I'm going to be suspect of all Christians. It's like, give your head a shake. We're not Jesus. You're loved, you have a place, you can walk away from God's love. And that's not a good thing. In fact, Romans kind of outlines very clearly that walk away, and that is called a journey to depravity. That's what happens when you walk away from God. And then there are two destinations. There is heaven, and there is hell. There is new life in Christ, and there is the old nature. There is old life, two destinations, and all will be revealed one day there's nothing hidden from God there's nothing hidden in your life there's nothing that you can put under the carpet without Jesus without Jesus there's nothing integrity is the goal God wants you to be the same person at home as you are at work. He wants to build into your life to be the man, to be the woman that he has always intended you to be. And that there is a path to God, and that is through faith. And it results in grace. 
And the primary product of that is a different attitude towards sin in your life. And then, God's been planning your salvation before you were even aware. That, that's how much God loves you. How much God knows about you. And I can have hope and, insure, and assurance in Jesus. And we are part of this great exchange where he wants to take your old nature and he wants to put his nature in you, operating in. He wants a new operating system in you. I got Windows 8 this week. I don't know if I'm going to hit the thing or if it's going to work, but maybe I won't hit it and maybe it will work. But it's totally different. It's not like the old, it's not like the old operating system at all. And, and I've got to get used to a new... You have a new operating system if you are a follower of Jesus. It's going to take some getting used to. You have to grow into it. And uh, we're to let grace reign and rule in our hearts. Okay, that's Romans up to the, the, the middle of chapter 6. And I hope that by the end of this, you can mentally walk through and think your way through Romans. That's the goal. Well, we're in 6, uh, we are in uh, two, or sorry, chapter 6, verses 15 to the end. Let me catch you up to last time where we were. Here's the end of last week, or last, last week's message, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, five weeks. You preached two in there. It's been five weeks we've been out of Romans, okay? Here's where we ended up, just in case you haven't got a really good memory, that we have a changed life, and it's an evidence of a relationship with God. No change, no evidence, then you've got a question. Is there, is, is, did something, anything really happen? And uh, was I serious about this? If, if there's no change, then you do not know God. If it happened to Jesus, it happened to, to you. If he died, you died. If he was buried, you were buried. If he was raised, you were raised. What has happened to you is that you have taken on everything that he has taken on. And there's a new reality in your life. And there's a freedom. And it's a fact. You have to leave the old reality behind. Man, if I keep going between the two operating systems, I would get so confused. I've got to leave the old operating system behind. I've got to adapt to the new operating system. You have to leave the old life behind. That's what God has determined for you. And leaving an old master is not an easy thing. We have to live in the light of a new truth that you are dead to sin. That's where we left off. Here's the Old Testament equivalent of today's message, which is, is that... Your choices will define you. You're going to make choices in your life, and they're going to define who you are. Here's the Old Testament parallel to this, Joshua 15, 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve Yahweh, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods, in our context, we could say whether the old life, whether the old nature which our fathers served, and maybe you're in a family that has served the old nature, and, and it's just totally different and new to you. That, that's going to be a tough transfer. You can do it. God will do it in you. Which your fathers served, which are beyond the river. They're in the old life. They're on the other side. Or the gods of the Amorites, that's current culture in our context. You're going to serve the God. You're going to serve yourself. You're going to serve the culture you're in. Who are you going to serve and whose land you're living but is for me?
Happy Pentecost. Is that how you say it, or is it Merry well, Pentecost? Well, positive uh, Pentecost? Yes, yes, positive. Happy. I don't know. I don't know much about Pentecost. I don't know Pentecost. either. What, what, I, yeah, no, I don't know. It's 50. Penta is 50, oh. so it's 50, 50 days after Passover. But you're, you're not like, mo- you know, you're like most Christians. Like They really don't know what Pentecost is all about either. Not much. But we're going to cure that. Okay. Because we, on the 26th of May, we are going to have an amazing evening where we're going to have a traditional Jewish Pentecost supper. We're going to have a, a, a guest speaker who's going to fill us all in. In fact, he's not going to speak. He's going to do it through drama. Mm. What would it have been like in the upper room at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up and this whole show got on the road? So it's on May 26th, 6 p.m. And that's at 112 Spadina Road West. Evangel Community Church. Now, how much does this cost? $40, $50 to come to this? No, $4 for an adult, children under 12, free. Oh, great. So 112 Spadina Road West. That's where we're having it. May 26, 6 p.m. Absolutely. See you there. This is Joshua. This, in his context, in his day, he like drew the line in the sand and said, as for me and my house, the people I influence, what I'm in charge of, what I have authority over, as for me and my house, I will serve Yahweh. Father, as we hear your word this morning, speak deep to our hearts. We are steeped in a culture that is so self-centered and pleasure-seeking and sin-honoring, we bow down at the gods of sex and money and uh, self-fulfillment and gratification. And our culture, our culture wants to eat us alive. Our old nature wants to be back in control. And for, so for us who are Christians, Father, We stand at a critical point and we must make some choices that will define us. If not, we will be swallowed whole and live and sucked back into the old life, which will prove that there was nothing going on between us at all. And so would you touch our hearts today? Would you move in us deeply? Amen. First choice you have is responding to God's grace. We see Paul here asking this question, what what then? I mean, since you're dead to sin, since you've traded death for life, since you live in a new reality, what, what then? What now? What next? Is really the question, and he calls back, shall we sin because we're not under grace but the law? Uh, but we're not under law but under grace? I mean, here's his reasoning. Since we're not under the law anymore and we're under God's grace, well, maybe we should just sin. Maybe that should be our response. Since God is forgiving, that, that gives me freedom to follow my own way. I like having my own way. You know that? I really like having my own way. I don't like having to do things other people's way. There's something about that. Don't you think that? Somebody says, I want you to do this, do that. There's something inside of me deep that goes, I, no, no, I, I want to be in control of this. I want to think this. I mean, I need to cast my vote in this. God's not interested in your vote. God has not run a democracy. He makes some clear definitions of what is and what is not to be part of your life as a follower of his. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but we're under grace. And Paul, it's like, no, 
That's, that's not the answer. You've not been listening. You've missed the whole point, if that's your question. There is no way to broker God's grace into indifferent living. So many people find Jesus, they want Jesus, and they want fire insurance, and they want to be culturally acceptable in this thing called the church, but they don't want God to change their life. They don't want God to change who they are. They want an indifferent Jesus, one where I can accept the goodies. Don't you love it when the kids, when they used to have Halloween, and you could go through and cherry pick after they went to bed? Well, this is not good for them, and this isn't good for them. And we used to do that, and then we put it in our top dresser drawer after we checked. But really, we're not evil parents. We're not. It's just we were trying to be helpful. People treat God like that. They want to cherry pick what their relationship looks like with God. God's not into that. Number two, here's some more choices that define you. Here's a choice of obedience, verse 16. Do you not know? He's saying, has it escaped your attention? That when you present yourselves to someone as slaves, when you offer yourselves as a servant for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you you obey. You have a choice to serve and you have a choice to obey. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to obey? He's saying here, you are only a servant. You're only a follower of the one that you actually serve. I mean, I say, I'm going to come over and I'm going to serve you by cleaning your apartment. I'll be there next week at 8 o'clock Monday morning. And I never show up. Have I served you? No, I've lied to you. I've deceived you. I've put a sham up. I look one way. That's deceptive. That's how some people try and serve God. God, I will. God, I will. God, I will. And they're slumbering in the morning instead of serving what they've said. Don't, don't mess with God. Better to keep your... Ma- My grandfather used to say it's better to keep... You know, your sh- let people think you're a fool, but it's better to keep your mouth shut than to prove the real point that you are. I said that wrong. But anyway, you know where I'm going with that. Choice number one. Either of sin, either in not submitting to God, you can, you can obey sin either of sin resulting and concluding in death. That's not the life of a Jesus follower. Choice number two, obey righteousness. Or of obedience, submission to God and his word. Obedience to God resulting in, conclude means to conclude. A result is a conclusion. You look at results and you have to come to conclusions when the results of tests and things that you look at, you come to a conclusion. Here's what's wrong. They, are, they don't have an overactive, you know, an overactive uh, thyroid. They eat too much chocolate. There's the conclusion. Tests, results, conclusion. Either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Number three, verses 17 to 19. Motivation. How to make the hard choices. They are hard. Don't you know? Choices are hard. There's something in front of you that, that, that appeals to you, and you know that's not for a, a, a Jesus follower. Well, it's not a walk. Some of you guys are black and white, okay? And everything is like a light switch. And you guys find it easy. You go, choice, not choice, choice, not choice. Then there's other people who are dimmer switches. We take a while to get it. The light switches look at the dimmer switches and go, what is the problem? That you did that, you got the consequence, it's obvious, why didn't you... Dimmer switches don't get that. Light switches need to be gracious to dimmer switches. Dimmer switches need to listen to light switches and get some of the things that they get just like that. 
We need each other in this thing called the body. Motivation is an act of grace, verse 17, but it's a comparative conjunction. He's, not, he's now comparing the, who you're going to serve to some things to think about. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. That word thanks there is grace. But grace is of God. Grace is from God. The motivation behind this is grace. Grace is something that comes from God, that you have the grace of God operating in your life as a gift. Be thankful. Motivation is a hard issue. That though you were in the past here, you were, means in the past, slaves of sin, you were under bondage, you became presently obedient, submissive from the heart. The core of who you are has changed. Okay, so Stan, in this message, part of what you said was, or well, you said it, Paul said it. Yes. Right? Was he said in in in, uh, in verse fifteen? So what then? Shall we sin? Was sort of the you know, yeah. part of that came up with that. Yeah. And it's funny because when I hear that, I think this is like the most fantastic diet that's out uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. Because now that my sins are going to be forgiven. I can eat anything I want, and I won't gain any weight. <laughs> it sounds like that, right? Yeah, I'm forgiven. Yeah, you can just, you yeah. know, you can just see somebody who isn't understanding yeah. what's going yeah. on, yeah. and they would just go along and go, "I can get away with that, like, because yeah. I'm forgiven, right?" Yeah. And that's their way of getting around yeah. it. But that's not what Paul's talking. Yeah, about. no. Kind of reminds me of the Romans in the Praetorium, where they would go and they would like actually vomit so they could eat more. And it, and it looks like it's costing nothing. It looks like, but but eventually it begins to burn vocal cords and, and takes enamel off your teeth. Yeah. There is a cost to consuming what you should not consume. And uh, there are many people that today believe they doesn't matter what they do. They're they're forgiven. They're you know they're they're a child of God. I'm forgiven. I can do whatever I want. Have whatever attitude I want. And it's like I can ingest as much garbage yep. as I as, as I want to, and and I'm free and clear. And then they end up with with cluttered, polluted, destroyed minds. You wouldn't believe the number of guys in my office with with you know addictions to pornography and fantasizing and their mind is so seared and so full of image that they, they can't get away from it hmm. and only through a p- mighty powerful work of the holy spirit can they ever gain any resemblance any sense of balance again and even then they are open and susceptible to those images and those things that they've indulged in thinking that it wasn't going to hurt them. Well, you know what? Even when you're talking about pornography, mm-hmm. all kinds of other temptations that come up, right? Because the fact yeah. is, is that, and I've said this to you before, it's sort of like um, if you were an alcoholic, there's one, um, one sickness that's there, one addiction that's there. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, every sin addiction that you could have could come at you at any time. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I almost or sad, I guess, you know, I could see, you know, Satan saying, well, he got away, but I don't have to worry about him affecting other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he took he took the grenade himself. Right. You know, yeah. like that's one that got away, but no other ones will get away with him. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we're going to continue uh, this message and this series next week. So I'd encourage you to join us and uh, and continue going through Romans. 
And as always, remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new